0: Our textbook consideration this morning is uh, recorded for us by the Apostle Paul in his eighth chapter to the Corinthians, his second letter. That's on page nine of your bulletins. Feel free to follow along there or in a Bible or if you have a Bible on your smartphone, that'd be great as well. We read. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it to the earnestness of others. In the name of Jesus Christ, my fellow believers, right around the year 31 AD, a blinding light and a loud voice came from heaven and changed Paul's perception of the world. He had been a killer, he had been a bad man, he had been a man who hated God's true word because he thought that his Jewish extremism was the But when Jesus spoke to God, to to Paul, on that road to Damascus, the killer in Paul died. The old Paul was gone. And the new Paul lived a radically different life. The new Paul, who had been loudly speaking against God, now boldly and loudly proclaimed the good news of Jesus Christ to men and women everywhere. And the Holy Spirit changed those men and women and made them radically different people. Those words are the same for you and I today. The Holy Spirit changes you and says, Live a radical life by finding joy in the Lord and by excelling in love. If you'd if you want to, I don't know if you would, but if you'd like to, you could sign a couple waivers and jump out of airplanes or you could strap on a couple of pieces of fiberglass and careen down mountainsides, or you could find a couple cliffs and you could jump off into murky water that's not something that I would like to do and I, I doubt many of you would either but people in extreme sports do this all the time they love to do it And for me, an an outsider, looking in on their sport, that's radical. I don't really get it. But for them, they get exhilarating joy. They get kind of an adrenaline high. They love to do that stuff. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he told them about these people, the Macedonians, who lived a different type of a life. And the Corinthians, they hadn't lived that life, so they were outsiders looking in on it. And to them, it looked pretty radical. Because the Macedonians had been going through a severe trial, and the Corinthians hadn't. Paul experienced this trial. He had been in Philippi, one of the towns in Macedonia. And while he was there, he was in prison. And then Paul wrote to those Philippians, those Macedonians, and he said you saw the struggle that I had. And you yourselves know what it was like because you experienced it too. The Philippians had a tough life. The Macedonians had a tough life. But that wasn't all. They were also in abysmal poverty. This wasn't just a tough financial time. This was deep down to the depths of the earth, lying in the gutter, poverty. They didn't have two pennies to rub together. That was a tough life. But I don't think that that's a radical life. Not with just that information. Because there are plenty of people that go through trials and plenty of people who are in some pretty tough financial times. They're victims of their circumstances. But what makes their life a radical life is that in all of that, they had overflowing joy. That in all of that, their overflowing joy welled up in a rich generosity. Imagine the Corinthians hearing about this and thinking, wow, that's different. It's radical. Not only that, but the Macedonians gave more than they were able to. Imagine Paul standing there, preaching to those people, looking out, at tattered clothes, at skin and bones, and seeing the treasures lying before his feet. You can imagine Paul saying, Stop. Slow down. Feed yourselves first. Don't don't feed others. But the Macedonians urgently pleaded with Paul, We need to share in this service to the saints. We have to do it. And so why? Why were they so happy? Why, why were they so generous? Paul writes that they gave themselves over to the Lord. The Macedonians knew who their Savior was. They knew that Jesus abundantly gave himself to more than 5,000 people in one afternoon when he fed them. And the Macedonians knew that Jesus had urgently pleaded with his Father early in the morning for their sake. The Macedonians knew that Jesus gave rich generosity to to others as he ate with tax collectors and with sinners. The Macedonians knew that that Jesus had given himself to them. So they really wanted to give themselves to the Lord, and they had great joy because of it take all of that into consideration, their life makes a little more sense. Their life isn't so radical. Their life looks a little bit more like a Christian. You have the example of the Corinthians, the Macedonians, and, and of Jesus. But you haven't lived those lives. And so in that sense, you're an outsider looking in on it. And when you read God's word, God tells you that at one time you were a lost and condemned creature. You were an outsider looking in on heaven. And God's word tells you that at one time you were in abysmal poverty. You didn't have the richness of Christ. You were an outsider looking in. Before the creation of the world God spoke and did something radical. God saw you an outsider and made you an insider. God chose you an outsider, someone who didn't deserve heaven, and decided at that time that you would be. Before the creation of the world, God chose you to be in Jesus' mind and in Jesus' heart So that when Jesus stretched out his arms on that cross and watched as soldiers pounded nails into his palms, he would think, this is for my people. This is for you. God shows you before the beginning of the world so that with every excruciating breath that Jesus took on that cross, he would breathe out, this is for my people. This is for you. God chose you so that when Jesus would breathe out his last and cry out and say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, you know that it was all for you, for Jesus' people. The Lord truly showed you rich generosity. and He gave himself to you. What joy, what exhilarating happiness you can have in your life because of it. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians to give them joy, he also wanted them to show love. Specifically, love for others. Love in their giving. Paul started a stewardship drive there. Just like the stewardship drive, we're starting here. And he gave them a method. He said, on the first day of every week, Gather what you can. Gather a, a portion of your income to give to the Lord. Because I don't want you scrambling around, fishing through the cracks in the couch cushion looking for a couple pennies. I want you to give the best. And for that stewardship drive, Paul gave them a purpose. He said, the, Jew, the, Jerusalem, the people in Jerusalem, they're poor. They need our help. So let's band together. Let's give them some money. Titus had gone to that congregation at a time prior to the, the words we have today. And he had urged and encouraged those Corinthians to take part in the stewardship drive. He went back to Paul and gave, them a, gave Paul a, a pretty good report. He said, the Corinthians are doing pretty well. They excel in a lot of ways. But I think, I think they're kind of losing motivation. So Paul wrote these words. He subtly exposed their sin. He said, "See that you excel in everything. Right now, you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and love. So, so, so also see that you excel in the grace of giving." The Corinthians had that one area to improve. They were mature Christians. They could show love for others. Stewardship drives aren't really anything new. Paul was doing a stewardship drive. Shore Foundation has done many stewardship drives. Churches around our synod do stewardship drives. Even Moses had his stewardship drive. You probably caught it in the first lesson today. The Egyptians were fleeing. The, the Israelites, excuse me, were fleeing Egypt. And they needed a place to worship God. They weren't able to spend time to build a building like this one. And so God gave Moses instructions for them to build an ornate, a a reverent tent, basically. A tabernacle. And God said the people can contribute a lot to this. And I'm going to be really specific. Here you go, Moses. Here's a list of the things they can contribute. They can give gold and silver and bronze Blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, the best. Where do you think the Israelites got these days? They must have been lugging them around since the time they left Egypt. They had been treasuring these expensive items, carefully wrapping them up each time that they got on their pack animals to move to the next spot. Because they needed them for when they would settle down. He needed them to start a new life. It must have been hard to give the best to the Lord. But it wasn't. They didn't grumble. They didn't complain. Morning after morning, Moses got up and saw treasure after treasure. The craftsmen and the skilled people had to say, tell them to stop. Command the people to stop. We don't know what to do with all of this Stop. Imagine what that could be like today. A safe, filled to overflowing, you couldn't put another check in. A treasurer who couldn't keep up with the bookwork, not because of excessive spending, but because the giving was so much. A leadership team who couldn't come up with enough outreach events because they couldn't figure out how to exhaust the evangelism budget. That would be a radical life. And that was the life that Moses was experiencing. Those Israelites loved their Lord. So they showed their love for others. And that's how we express our love. We express our love by how we love others and how we give our gifts to the church. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I'm not commanding you to give a certain amount, but I want to test the sincerity of your love, by comparing it with the earnestness of other people. That's a pretty tall order, isn't it? Paul wants to compare me to the Macedonians who gave generously. Paul wants to compare me to the Israelites, who gave morning after morning. Compared to those examples, maybe you're thinking, I don't really measure up. Maybe you're thinking, my love, has, my love for others has kind of cooled off. Maybe you're thinking, I haven't really thought about stewardship since last year's stewardship. drive. Maybe you're not thinking that. Maybe you have been giving generously, but, but you've thought, why aren't the other people in the congregation kind of cool in their own ways? That's not a very loving thought, is it? When you consider the question, what is love? It can be a hard one to answer. Philosophers and psychologists have made careers writing books about it, but really there's a short answer. Love is one person acting in the very best possible interest of the person they love. And we can't always do that. But God did it. As you consider your love for others, consider God's love. Consider how immediately after Adam and Eve sinned, God came up with a plan for salvation. He said, he will crush the devil's devil's head. Consider how 4,000 years later, God made good on that promise. God sent his son into this world for you. Consider that for 33 years, Jesus lived on this earth acting in your best interest, loving you, by living a perfect life, by dying a perfect death. Consider now that God acts in your best interest. When you read his word and you see plastered in the pages, that your sins are forgiven, that you're no longer an outsider, but you're an insider. Consider God's love for you, and I think you'll find that love for others overflows. For this year's Stewardship Drive, our leadership team has given us a method. They've said, please, please pray. Prayerfully consider your income Prayerfully consider what God has done for you and and consider a portion of that income that you can designate for the Lord. And they've also said, we're going to hand out some planning cards. You can pick those up today or or you can get them in the mail. And that's going to help the church plan out the year and that's going to help you tangibly see what you can give. And they're going to be really organized about this. We We have a nice chart that we're going to set up and we're going to be able to sort of chart the results and I think that will show that will kind of indicate how God's love is truly working in this congregation it's going to be really cool to see and as to the purpose of our stewardship drive God gives us that purpose through Paul he says I want to test the sincerity of your love as you think about that statement Really just consider Christ's love. Consider how Christ's love compelled the Macedonians, the Corinthians, the Israelites, and how Christ's love compels you. Consider that God took you an outsider and made you someone who intimately knows Jesus Christ and intimately knows the forgiveness of sin. Consider the joy you have in the Lord. Consider the love. He shows you. Definitely consider that it's it's radical to give a portion of your paycheck to the Lord. Not many people do that. But I think when you consider the joy your Lord has for you, the love He shows to you, you'll find that that's no longer radical, but it's your way of life, the Christian way of life. Amen.